Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with purpose and passion. I'm your host and valedictorian, Eric Brotman. Today, our guest is Tamara Andress. She's a top thought leader in spiritual entrepreneurship, a speaker, a two-times best-selling author, the founder of Fit in Faith Media Company, and an ordained minister on mission to activate purpose-driven leaders personally and professionally with their broadcasted messages and businesses through publishing, podcasting, and play. Her Fit and Faith podcast is globally ranked in the top 1% of the spiritual, religious, and business charts with over 200 interviews of founders, innovators, and trailblazers. Her most treasured role is wife and mama, and she'll surely never leave her presence without being added measure of joy. Uh, Tamara, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have Thanks you. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I know you've been doing this for five years now, and you are just dropping gems all the time. So I'm excited to be able to help you do that today. Oh, well, gosh, that's that's very thoughtful of you. And and I I know, having watched uh, your some of your content and, and seen your website and, and some of the things, I know we're going to connect beautifully today because you are all about being mission-driven. And one of the things that we tell folks all the time is that one of the keys to a successful retirement and a healthy and happy one, and not just retirement, life, is to have purpose and passion and a mission. So how did you get started? How did you find this calling? And, and tell us a little bit about yourself as well. Yeah, and I, I do so much just hold space for that for other people who are still quote unquote, trying to figure it out, right? And and I never want someone to think even when they hear my testimony or where I am currently as a business leader or as a mom or a wife or success driven, whatever that looks like to you or you hear out of my story, I want you to know that I really believe we're always becoming. And so no one's made it anywhere. We've just made it to this moment and I'm excited about the next one, but I also am super pumped to be present with you. And so I think about where and answering that question and it really derives back to my my 20s, uh, where I was very success driven, accolade driven, very focused on retirement or this concept that you guys speak to here on the show often. And it was really mainly associated to success. It was mainly associated to legacy, which is a buzzword everybody's using nowadays, but for selfish, selfish intent associated to money. That's really the only thing that I knew I needed to do because it wasn't necessarily how I was raised. And at the same time, I was actually really good at it. And and it led me to overwhelm. It led me to burnout. It led me to potentially almost losing my marriage. It led me to not being able to mother my mom, my, my kiddos, the way that I knew I wanted to as a mom. And I had a real heart-to-heart -heart moment where I had to figure out if this was my tombstone. Is this what I want it to say? Do I want to say that I'm a successful entrepreneur? Do I want to say that she was a multimillionaire? Do you want, like, is that it? Is that what we're all striving for when it comes to retirement? Or did I really want to live a life with fulfillment of wholeness, of goodness, of joy that also is associated to wealth, but wealth and rich is very different. And so I went on a journey for several years to figure out what that meant and to recalibrate my life uh, into alignment so that I could still utilize my gifts and talents. I could still be driven, but driven for good and driven for impact rather than driven for selfish desire. You, you said so much in such a short period of time that I want to unpack because I love this idea that um, that wealth is not the same as, as being rich. Uh, a wealthy life is a life well lived in lots of different ways. And there's much more to it than your balance sheet. You know, there's lots of cliches around that, the whole you can't take it with you and so forth and so on. 
and we do think about legacy and i think about legacy a lot when we're planning with with clients and other families and that legacy doesn't have to be quantitative only it it can be around uh, around visions and missions and lessons and stories uh, in fact, we've done shows, we've had guests on our show who do uh, legacy videos and things where they capture the stories of their parents or grandparents in a digital way to store it forever so that, you, so that it's almost an immortality mm-hmm. and it's not tied to money. It's not, it's not free, but it's not tied to money. It's a way to, to, to share yourself beyond your living years. Is that what you mean when you talk about uh, legacy? Because legacy can be a good thing or it can be um, sort of this this treadmill to a scoreboard that doesn't matter. Totally. I love how you just said that. I, I think of the rat wheel of the American dream, right? And love our country, totally stand in freedom and for what it was founded on. But we do get in this rat race where we're thinking the white picket fence, the nice fancy cars, the big home, the boy first, girl second, the Barbie and Ken lifestyle, a lot of which I was, I had, I, I did have at that moment. I, I don't say that it's not there now. A lot of those uh, false realities of what is successful still stand to this day, but the heart behind them are drastically different. And so for me, I look to legacy and I look to legacy that if I were to die today, you know, people think of retirement and they work so hard. They put all this hustle and grind into what could one day be, whether it's a 401k, whether it's associated to the, the you know, financial pieces or the will in which they're creating. But what if today is your last day? Did you live a wealthy lifestyle? I want to live in the richness of my blessings right now, which include all of those roles that I mentioned and the things in which I've been blessed with to have. And so I think about the concept, even from the four-hour work week, where they talk about living a retired life now. And this show applicable to that is understanding that the wealth in which I want to lead and the wealth in which I want to leave because it's one in the same. I want to experience it here, but I also want my children to have it. If it's focused on love and it's focused on, for me, my faith and the fruits of the spirit, joy, I want people to have joy more than I ever want them to have riches because riches and fame facades and they end up being in a space of fading and that can never be taken from my kids. The love that I show them, the joy that I show them, the passion and the creativity in which I exist every single day, I get to see infused into them so much so that they're doing it in their own schools right now, leaving legacies as little entrepreneurs. Well, you're already spreading joy to me. I already feel it. I feel it through the airwaves, and I hope our yes. our, our 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 viewers do too, because I already feel um, incredibly enthusiastic about that message. Because I do think joy is joy's hard to put your 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 uh, definition on. It's different yeah. for all of us. I mean, we can define so many different things, but what makes you joyful and what makes your life well lived is is not easy. You mentioned your tombstone. And I, I heard it, I think it was a country song, but there was a, a piece about the fact that there are two dates on a tombstone and the two yep. dates don't matter as much as the dash in between. Mm-hmm. That's what matters. That little dash is like, what did you do with it? Yep. Um, so so how, do you, how do you go about um, teaching slash preaching slash coaching, consulting, sharing? How do you get this message out uh, to folks? Where, where, you know, what, is the, what is the magic to finding that joy? 
Yeah, for for me, the magic was being able to blend my passions with my pain and show up to serve other people that I see are either existing in their pain or they have this incredible passion, but they don't know how to propel it. That was a lot of peas and it's intentional and not, but purpose literally exists in the blending of our passions and our pains. And so when I tell you the testimony and the hardship, I think too, and I see now with empathetic eyes, how much success it distracts people and how much it can actually pull them away from the things that matter most, which will be the elements of their final tombstone, right? You see loving wife, you see loving mother, you see sister and friend and all of these things. But when I see people, I see them glorifying busy and busy doesn't Mm. allow for space for those titles to truly exist. And so my heart is to help obliterate shame and activate purpose. It's the mission of our company. It's the mission of how I exist in every single day. And as a business coach, it seems a bit uh, odd. Like how does that actually derive success for someone from a business perspective? And what it actually is while people knock on my door all the time because they want good marketing. They want better branding. They want this business to succeed so that they can have that financial legacy we were speaking to. I always go back to the root and the foundation of it all, and it's associated to being. So it's the identity factor that I want to help nurture so that when they show up to work, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like play. And you mentioned the podcasting, the publishing, and the play. And to me, business gets to be pleasurable. It gets to be fun. It gets to be joyful. But if we don't operate out of that heart set and out of that belief that's true, then we do get stuck in that rat reel that we were talking about. I have a great deal of not empathy, but sympathy for people who work at a job they hate for 40 years to get the gold watch that it doesn't really exist anymore to then go sit and play shuffleboard and watch daytime TV for the period of time before they, before they malinger into, into their last years. That is tragic to me. Um, I, I love what I'm doing. I never want to retire in the traditional sense. In fact, one of our messages is always that retirement in its in its traditional sense isn't good for you. It's a retreat. Right. It's a withdrawal. It's it's acquiescence. It's giving up. Whereas if you can find that passion in that play, whether it's for money or not, if you're financially independent, that's a beautiful thing. But to not have a reason to get out of bed every morning is a very, very bad idea because you will stop getting out of bed every morning. So you're a business coach but on a, a, a different, um, you have a, a different approach, I think, than a lot of executive type coaches who I've at least talked to and, and met, many of whom are about that busy. They're about the time blocking or they're about the, um, you, you know, amplifying your effectiveness or, mm-hmm. um, or, I mean, there's a lot of sort of technical wonkiness to that. But what you're really talking about is figuring out a way so when you get up every morning and you're going to work, you can't wait to get there. Mm -hmm. Because it's not a matter of not activating, right? That's the secondary element of the conversation. So obliterating Mm -hmm. shame is saying anything that was holding you back, anything that you've done or has been done to you is no longer a a ball and chain to what could be. Because a lot of people operate out of lack mentality, scarcity mentality, fear, limiting beliefs, the old stories that they just continue. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not capable. And you cannot 
sit in that place and also build a business because then you're operating out of a place of selling versus a place of serving. And people can look right through that, especially now with social media, the way that it is like you can literally read it on the, on their face. Like, yeah, they're not real, right? People want authenticity, but you have to actually get real with yourself in order for you to be real with other people. And that's that element of vulnerability and why we do identity work before I build businesses. So the second element of business building is associated to, okay, I see you now. And I think the world is ready to see you as well. So how do we build a brand out of that space? How do we make it feel authentic to the user, to the client, to the partner, to the community, to the mission, and then build a business from there that is making money. And, and my biggest thing is to do it systematically. It's to create automatic elements so you have autonomy associated to your dream. I do not want to take you away from one ball and chain and then clip you to your business. Like that's the opposite of the outcome and I believe of being able to lead a life that is fulfilling. And so I, I love to have people have margin, not time blocks, and to mm -hmm. be able to, to really explore all of the passions and the hobbies that they have and making a business out of that. Like one of the examples, so many people are attracted to the way that we show up as a company because we do a lot of traveling. Uh, we have and host retreats, we do conferences, we have book writing retreats and women's retreats and marriage retreats and all of these different things. And people are like, I want more of that in my life. And when they come to me to build a business, I'm like, how can we turn that into a retreat? One, so you can see the world and do some of the things that you love to do, but also so you can take other people on that adventure and that journey with you and explore in depth and in freedom right? There's such a freedom that comes to the rest and rejuvenation that can occur on, uh, uh, even if it's a business retreat, it matters. You get to reset your life, your soul, your spirit. So when you go back to those places that sometimes feel like ball and chain, you can bring a new sense of enthusiasm, a higher level of essence and joy, and you can then move forward in that space. And so branding and business building it's all associated to what motivates you what drives you what brings you that sense of happiness because when you exist in that space you are a magnet for momentum which means you're a magnet for what we talk about here associated to finances it's going to happen and you get to have such faith and peace in that versus doing it and operating out of a place of lack or a place of the more I do, the more I'll make. That's simply not true. And it's a lie. I, I couldn't agree with you more that retreats matter. I think getting off site matters, not having the, the, the interruptions, whether it's at home or at work. Sometimes, sometimes it's difficult. And, and there've been great books written about dysfunctions of a team and these things and how important that, that can be. So we run retreats quarterly as a, as a firm. Um, and it's something that it's expensive. I mean, it's expensive in terms of, of uh, human capital and the amount of time spent maybe outside of the office. It's expensive in the sense of whether there's travel or whether there's lodging or whether there's meals and all these kinds of things, but it's also priceless. Mm -hmm. um, Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. 
I think entrepreneurs and certain personality types look forward to those and other people go, oh, is that something I have to do? How do you get past the 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 doubters who basically say, you know, I, I don't want to be away from my family for a day or two, or I, I don't want to be, uh, or I have too much work to do, or I'm just too busy to, to take a step outside. I think business owners get that to a large degree, but I'm not sure the whole team gets it. I think we do a, a decent job, but how do you get folks to leave that comfort zone of what they know and sort of the, maybe the ball and chain they've accepted as their day to get enthusiastic about them? Is it in the planning of the retreat? Is it in the content of the retreat? Is it, well, how do you do it? How, how should we do so, it? I can get some, I can I get some free my, consulting right now. <laughs> yes, you absolutely can. I'm glad Perfect. you're picking my brain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So for me, it's, it's two things. It's the fact that comfort zones are actually a place where people go to die. It's actually complacency. Comfort is the pond that is now breeding moss and algae because there's no movement. And for me, mm -hmm. movement is everything, both in mind, body, and spirit. You cannot stay stagnant in a place where you also equally want growth or retirement, right? We can talk about that piece so eloquently here. Retirement and retreats literally go hand in hand. So there's the piece of saying you want more out of life, something, something you want more of. If you want to experience it, you have to shake things up. You have to do something different. You have to step out of your comfort zone. From a faith lens, I always think of Peter stepping out of the boat. He could have easily stayed there and he could have second guessed and asked all the questions and the qualms and the, the worries of if I stay here, if I get out, if I stay here, if I get out, what should I do? He would have never walked on water. He would have never experienced that miracle. And I believe there are miracles waiting to be had in people's lives if they get into this retreat environment. Secondarily, it's the element of surprise. And this is how I teach retreats and how to set retreats all the time. It's surprises. We often enough in life, especially after you get married uh, and maybe have kids, if, if you decide to keep the gender a secret, other than that, like what, what surprises are there? in life, truly, they're all planned. Everything has an, uh, an, a knowing at this point in our life. And if we don't know, we're on the hunt to know. We Google everything, right? And so <laughs> yeah. for me, I, I literally don't even tell the people where they're going. They don't have the address to the location less 24 hours before they get there, mainly for emergency contact purposes. When they're there, they have no idea what the agenda is. They don't know what they're doing even hours later in the day. I just tell them what to wear and what they need to bring. So huge pieces of control have to be set down, which control and comfort zones to me go hand in hand. And so I want to infuse whether, like I said, I'm doing a book writing retreat, a podcasting retreat, or we're doing a rejuvenation retreat. I want people to take their hands off the wheel because they need to realize that they actually, in fact, aren't the driver. And when we get out of the driver's seat and we allow other people to, to show life through a new lens, to experience life in this new, fresh way and take them on this emotional roller coaster of a journey day in and day out. I believe in high adrenaline and I believe in somber rest of 24 hours. And it literally shakes you to the core because we know memories are made not in what more I teach. I could teach all day long. It's based on the emotional connection to the experience.
the memory. And then there's activation on the other side of that because they want more. They want to have that incense of release of control so that they can truly rest because no one's resting even on a vacation when they come back and they're more tired from the vacation. Vacations and retreats are different. I can attest to that. Actually, the, the, the best retreat I've ever been on, and I, I, I will share this with you and with everyone because not everybody knows I did this. And for those who know me well, they'll, they'll say, how in the world did you get talked into this? But I went <laughs> to a retreat and it was in the 2008, 2009. It was during the, the financial mm. crisis when, um, when the, the level of stress that we were not only experiencing as a business, but that we were experiencing in our industry with really frightened people every day, um, sometimes frightened, sometimes angry, sometimes uh, a combination. But um, yeah. so we, I, I went on a retreat to upstate New York with uh, a dozen other financial, maybe a dozen and a half other financial advisors. And it was a four day retreat with, that was fully unplugged. It was meditation, it was yoga, it was spirituality. It was, it was not a religious retreat, but it was a spiritual retreat. Sure. Um, we called it Thrive. And during that retreat, we actually had a 24 hour vow of silence where we just had to be with ourselves. You weren't allowed to read. There were no crossword puzzles happening. No one could have their phones. We were, um, we had to just walk and just be and just breathe and not even make eye contact with each other. Like we were mm -hmm. separated and just being by ourselves. Um, I, I'm, I confess I'm a talker. I mean, it's partly how I make a living. <laughs> you have a podcast. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and, right. I, I, I like to communicate. I like to talk. And so <laughs> the silence was hard for me, mm -hmm. but not for very long. I actually loved the way I felt. And I came back from this retreat so thoroughly uh, rejuvenated and so thoroughly rested and so thoroughly at peace that I was able to tackle the things that came afterwards so much more effectively, so much more adroitly and with so much more grace. Are these the kinds of things that you, uh, that you um, uh, suggest and that you facilitate and then you've taken people through this kind of journey? Yes, and it is so critical. And I love that you were had four, four days because a lot of people will try and stuff this into an overnight or maybe a weekend. And it cannot happen in that time frame. It You're not giving yourself, you're not even giving your nervous system enough time to relax. There's no space for silence because you have too much that you're trying to quote unquote do, even though you're supposed to be in that moment. And so ours mm -hmm. are six nights, seven days. We go on wow. that extensive journey with self. And I love that you practice silence because I think it's so powerful. And often, even in today's day and age, when something is given space and margin, as I mentioned, you're filling it with a podcast, you're filling it with a YouTube, you're filling it with a Google search, you're filling it with a book, you're filling it with worship or prayer or meditation or yoga. But there's a very huge difference between conscious silence to listen Listen to, I, I don't care if you're listening to your God or a God, you're listening to the wind. When you think about spirituality associated to that, you come back into centeredness of gratitude for the fact that you're even breathing and you're coexisting in that moment in such a beautiful way that you get outside of self. And just like I love standing next to the ocean because I feel so insignificant in that moment. 
And I think significance in our ego is important. That's what gives us confidence. But simultaneous to that, there is this element of surrender. And just the knowing in that moment that if everything changed in that moment, I still am me. And there's a sense of peace about that and a sense of no matter if my business is there, no matter if something tragically happened to my family or my health or anything, my spirit, my soul can still serve humanity. Otherwise, I wouldn't be there. So for the benefit of our viewers, our listeners, um, a, a retreat like this isn't something that everyone can do. There, there, are, there are limitations to what folks can do, either because of um, parenting or family issues or health issues or financial issues or other things. Not everybody can do that, um, though you have me ready to sign up. Uh, <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so how, how do you take some of these elements into your everyday life so that you can integrate that into your work, into your family, into your, your quest for meaning um, but also into your passion for living retired life, even while you're still working, which I think is so important. Yeah. So for me, it's it's that element of not habitual, not routine living, which is the antithesis to most high performers, right? And I can tag myself as such. I'm an Enneagram 3, if you know anything about the Enneagram personality test. If not, I highly recommend you check it out. It's really cool. But I, I do have a rhythm to my life, but I do not have a traditional routine. And I think routines Ooh. put us back into comfort, which put us back into complacency. And so what if we break that cycle? What if your rhythms associated to the rhythms of grace, associated to the rhythms of what's most important to you seasonally, things change. I get that. And I love if we can embrace that change more often. And so creating that margin, as I mentioned, that looks like exploring your hobbies. It looks like traveling. And whether you have the financial capability or not, I live in Virginia and there is something beautiful at literally every turn. And so maybe you need to travel inward to your city more often. Maybe you need to get your feet on solid ground. Maybe you need to explore the skies, right? There's so much going on around us that we completely forget about because we get in this rat wheel and we think everything is in the rat wheel. It's not. There's so much more outside of that. So that I do practice prayer. I do love sound and music and worship. And I put myself outside of self as often as possible so that when I get centered and I'm in a client to client conversation or I'm with my team, we can have checks and balances of knowing one another at our core versus doing together. Because I know a lot of people who are listening might be working in an office setting or working alongside a team, or even if you're operating within your family and you get into these routines of expectations for one another. But if we can rid ourselves of the expectation and the routine, and we can stand in a space of rhythm and people actually knowing who you are, checks and balances associated with your mental health, associated to your physical well-being, to your emotional health, to your spiritual health, become so much more aware and attuned to those people because you're allowing yourself to exist fully in who you are rather than in what you do, which literally goes back to what I shared at the beginning of my title, accolade-driven, perfection-driven self. I could get all of my lapels taken away. You could take away every you know, ordained minister, two-time best-selling author, number one podcast. You could take away all of that stuff from me 
me and it wouldn't matter because the people who are associated around me and my deep knowing of self allows me to stand in peace and joy simultaneously because I am not carrying a facade or a mask like I was for so long. I, I'm not speechless very often, but you've got me there. So I, I'm mm -hmm. so appreciative uh, of the wisdom you've shared today. And I mean that, I, I think this is wisdom. You, and you discovered it and you were vulnerable enough to, to share with us that it, it nearly cost you your marriage and your family and, and some the things that aren't replaceable, that are, that are the most important in your life. And so I thank you for being so vulnerable with us. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that, that I can't wait to hear the answer to on with bated breath, which is what do you want to be when you grow up? What's next? This is probably going to be the total antithesis. And I would love to hear, I need you to clip together every response from every guest you've ever had. I want to know what everyone wants to be when they grow up. I want to be Tinkerbell. Oh, okay. I, okay. I want to be Tinkerbell. I want to be able to travel at will on a whim. I want to be able to sprinkle joy and hope to everyone. I want to see people actually fly and understand their identity versus standing in a space of fearing their own shadow. And so I've never said that out loud, Eric, until you asked me the question <laughs> or prompted it. But that's what I want to be. I want to be that for my children. I want to be that for my friends. I want to be that for strangers. And I think that it's, it's possible in my own way. I think that is the, my favorite answer ever. So now, <laughs> now the rest of time, our guests are going to have to come up with something because of course, life is a competition. Everyone has to try and top everybody else. Of course. That's a great answer. I love that. And, and I, I think you're, you're probably going to be Tinkerbell if you aren't already. <laughs> so that is totally amazing. Um, I, I don't even know how to ask the next question. This is so much fun. I want to know what your what your extra credit assignment is going to be for our for our listeners because I, there's got to be one step, one thing that folks can do immediately, whether it's today or whether it's this weekend or whether it's um, in the coming days. There's got to be one thing people can do to start to to experience some of what you're sharing with us. What would that one thing be? All right. So it's an activity. So it is one thing that I have not only all my clients, but anybody who comes on a retreat with me, I have my children do this. I think it is so important for us to realize that there is a transformation zone that exists within you already, whether you're in the process of becoming or changing or shifting or evolving, no matter where you are. And so you take a piece of paper, you turn it no different than if you were writing it from left to right, you're going to split that piece of paper in half. Half of the page is going to have passions and the other half of the, um, the page is going to have pains. And I want you to stream of conscious, just write those things out. Your passions could be your hobbies. It could be things that make you happy or joyful. It could be things that you're passionate about in association to relationships or family members or anything. And then the pain, I want you to actually go there. I want you to sit with that side as you're doing the stream of conscious. It could be traumas. It could be depressive uh, memories. It could be things that agitate you. It could be things that make you so irate that you see in humanity. And then there's the next process. And this is the process of recognizing how are you existing from pain to passion or passion to pain in this very moment of your life. There's 
is what I call the transformation zone. This transformation is how you have gone from the pain to the passion, or perhaps you're in the passion to the pain going backwards in certain scenarios in your life. Uh, this space this is the space that you can capture not only to curate a business, but also to curate a book, to start a podcast, to explore conversations, to serve humanity. And when you can exist in that transformation zone with vulnerability, that's where you tap into joy. That's how you help teach other people. That's how you leave a legacy of love above all. That's how you retire right now because you're not existing in just one realm or the other. You're existing in the entirety of who you're created to be, emotions as well. And so it's okay to be mad, sad, angry, frustrated, um, any of those hard things because equally you're experiencing joy at the same time. And so try this activity, exist in that space, and realize that you have so much more to give right now that is monetizable and also just truly a life breathing into what could be your current comfort zone. That assignment is so powerful that I just actually heard thousands of pieces of paper ripping in half. Yes. Just now, everyone's doing this. Um, you have me, I'm going to do it. And, and I'm going to do it with trepidation, quite candidly, because I don't know what might come, <laughs> yeah. come out of it. In fairness, yeah. you, you don't always know what's going to come out of it when you when you sit and think about those things. But I, I think your assignment's great. Where can our audience, who I know it can't wait to find out how to learn more about you and to follow you and to and to and to uh, be able to receive your messages much more often than just today? How can folks get in touch with you or, or learn more about what you're about? Yeah, so I have a social media presence on every platform. So you can hang out with me on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all the places, minus Snapchat. I haven't, I'm not going to tip my toe there. <laughs> no Tinkerbell in Snapchat. And so uh, I have got a podcast. Not, not yet, also. anyway. <laughs> not yet. True, true. Yeah, not yet, anyway. Never say never. That's right. Uh, so the podcast is called Fit in Faith and FIT stands for Founders, Innovators, and Trailblazers. Thank you for sharing that. If you're watching live, you can see the podcast cover. And you can also go to fitinfaithmedia.com or tamraandress.com. I have a book, um, multiple books actually. And so the one that I would highly suggest if this conversation meant something to you, it touched you in a way that you uh, want to also transform and keep transforming. It's called Always becoming sex, shame, and love. And so it talks about the precursor element of my life that led me to that tombstone moment and also the breakthrough in which I exist and get to send uh, love out today. So I'm grateful for it and super excited to connect with you guys. If you want to DM me directly, I'm most active on Instagram. And so that's where you'll get actually me and not a bot. <laughs> Oh, well, and that's good because we would want actually you and not a bot. Tamara Andrus, <laughs> you have been such a phenomenal guest. I've enjoyed this. I, I want to spend another five hours having this conversation, um, but we are we are out of time today. So thank you for being a guest on Don't Retire, Graduate. You shared more wisdom in half an hour than, than any of us were entitled to all day. So thank you. With, thank mm, you for that. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. This is an incredible show. You're an amazing interviewer. Oh, well, well, thank you. And I'd like to thank all of you for listening and watching today. We'd love to hear from you. So please send us a message or leave us comments at don'tretiregraduate.com or on social media. If you enjoy our show, share it with your friends and family so they can join you on your journey to financial freedom. And please leave ratings or reviews on your favorite podcast platform. Those are priceless to us. We'll be back next week with another installment of Office Hours and in two weeks with another engaging guest. For now, this is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, 
Don't Retire, Graduate. Don't Retire, Graduate is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transformed where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.